And tonight's scripture reading is Jonah 4, verses 1 through 4. This is our second to last sermon in the book of Jonah. So Justin and I are brainstorming what we'll do next. If we follow the the pattern of proclamation, we'll go to the New Testament. So we're, we're thinking about where to go. Romans is taken. Oh, <laughs> Justin, yeah, so we're, we're brainstorming um, what to do next, and, and we'll see. Romans is taken, Galatians is taken, the youth is studying Galatians right now. Um, Revelation, ladies of God. That's right, that's right, so we shall see, we shall see. But let me, let me pray uh, before we get started. Father, we are so thankful that you are a God who reveals yourself. You revealed yourself to Moses and to your people in the book of Exodus on Mount Sinai, and you have revealed yourself to us in your Son, Jesus, the one who is full of grace and truth, and, and you have given us your word. This is, this is your holy, inspired, inerrant, infallible word. We are so thankful for it, and as Peter said, to whom else shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So we commit this time to you and pray that you would speak to us by your word and through your spirit, the spirit of glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Outside of our... Outside of our front door at home, we have a little doormat, and it simply says, welcome. Maybe you have something like it, a doormat, a sign, a flag, something that that has the simple word, welcome. Or maybe you have something like this, and I may have shared this before, but I was on a walk in my neighborhood one day, and I came across a sign, and it said, welcome-ish, depends on who you are. Welcome-ish, depends on who you are. It's true, isn't it? Think about it. Uh, I'm more welcoming of my sister than a stranger. Eugene, our FedEx delivery guy, is more welcome at our home than an unknown salesman. Welcome-ish, depends on who you are. The problem is that this attitude, the attitude of welcome-ish, depends on who you are. It doesn't stay at home. We carry it with us from our houses into the household of God. Into the household of God in the church, whether it's on a Sunday morning or Sunday evening or some other day, we all find ourselves welcoming some Christians more than others. We may smile on the outside, but on the inside, we struggle with sinful hearts that say, welcome-ish. Depends on who you are. The truth is that we're like, more, we're like Jonah more than we realize. 
were like Jonah, who couldn't stand the fact that God showed mercy to the Ninevites. For Jonah, the Ninevites were not welcome. They were not welcome. And as we study this passage, I hope you'll see that you, that you are more like Jonah than you realize. Um, that's something I saw as I studied this passage, that I'm more like Jonah than I realize. But I also pray that we as God's people are comforted and also changed as we behold, once again, God's mercy to us. We may be like Jonah, but thanks be to God, God is not like us. God is not like us. As we get started, I thought it'd be helpful and fun to do a quick review. Where have we been so far in the book of Jonah? And I thought we would review where we've been by focusing in on a word that shows up a bunch of times. And it's the word great. Great. So here we go. At the beginning, God's word came to Jonah. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Jonah fled, but God sent a great wind and a mighty or great tempest upon the sea. When Jonah told the sailors that he was trying to flee from the Lord, the sailors were exceedingly or greatly afraid. Jonah said, throw me into the sea because I'm the cause of this great tempest. They threw him overboard, the sea calmed, and the sailors feared the Lord exceedingly or greatly. Meanwhile, the Lord appointed, not a small fish, a great fish to swallow up Jonah. After three days and three nights, Jonah was vomited out and then recommissioned to go to Nineveh, that great city. What happened when Jonah preached the word? From the greatest of them to the least of them, the Ninevites repented. Nineveh repented. God relented. And how did Jonah respond? That brings us to chapter 4, verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, greatly, and he was angry. A book of great this and great that now introduces us to great displeasure. What had Nineveh done? The city of Nineveh had turned from their evil way. What did God do? He relented of the disaster or same word, evil, that he had said he would do. And what did Jonah think of it all? Your Bible might have a footnote that says, it was exceedingly evil to Jonah. Nineveh repented of evil. God relented of disaster or evil. And it was evil to Jonah. It was evil to Jonah. He was angry. The word for anger here is a common one with a long history, a history that goes all the way back to Genesis 4, to Cain. There, for the first time, we find this word and learn that Cain was very angry. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. So Jonah's not just frustrated here. He's furious. He's not just irritated. He's He's enraged. He is so mad. Nineveh repented, God relented, and Jonah lost it. Why? Why? One commentator says, if this is shocking, it's supposed to be so. 
It's supposed to be shocking. And as I studied this passage, I thought, I was shocked. What, why is he responding this way? Why wouldn't Jonah rejoice with the angels in heaven over all of these people who are repenting? Exactly, exactly. He gets mad because he didn't want God to be merciful. He didn't want God to be merciful. He wanted God to destroy the Ninevites, not deliver them. Jonah is angry at God's mercy. He's angry at God's mercy. How dare God be merciful to Assyrians of all people? Assyrians. Nineveh would later be described by the prophet Nahum as a city of unceasing evil. Unceasing evil. God, do you understand who these people are? Do you understand what they've done? How could you? How could you be merciful to them? Jonah's response really, as I studied this passage, it made me think of another passage in the Gospel of Luke. We're told that the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus. Tax collectors, sinners. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And then Jesus told a few parables, ones that you're, you're familiar with. The parables of the lost sheep, of the lost coin, of the prodigal sons. Do you remember how the older brother responded when the younger brother came home and was welcomed? How did the older older brother respond? But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I've served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him? So do you see the parallel? The parallel between the older brother and Jonah? Both are angry at God. They're angry at his mercy. How can God be merciful to such sinners? He deserves to get it. She deserves to be punished. They should be treated as their sins deserve. To put it another way, welcome-ish. Depends on who you are. Depends on who you are. We could call this the Jonah syndrome. The Jonah syndrome. It's a syndrome that we all suffer from, even as Christians. Even as Christians. To one extent or another, we all struggle with this same sinful heart attitude. We might not fly off the handle quite like Jonah did. We probably don't. But in our hearts, we can nurse prejudices against other Christians. We think that certain people are more deserving of God's mercy than others. We think that God is on our side, that he shares our prejudices, that he likes who we like, that he dislikes who we dislike. Welcome-ish depends on who you are. You're welcome as long as you haven't done truly awful things. You're welcome as long as you're sorry for how you've sinned against me. You're welcome as long as you're not one of those stuck-up, self-righteous types. You're welcome as long as you're easy to love, as long as I like you. You're welcome if you share my skin color, if you speak my language, if you vote like me, if you are actively and sacrificially serving the church, 
if you're self-aware of your own prejudices. The list could go on and on. We make up so many things. Welcome-ish. Depends on who you are. What's the irony in this? What's the glaring, shocking irony? The irony is that we, like Jonah, have received God's mercy ourselves. We are recipients of God's mercy. God has not treated me. He has not treated you like your sins deserve. Should we not so show the same mercy to others? Listen again to verses 2 and 3. Uh, verses 2 and 3 from Jonah 4. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? You can imagine that in his country, many people would share his opinions, like an echo chamber. In my country, people would agree with me. That's what I said when I was yet in my country. That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better to me to die than to live. Verse 2 begins, and he prayed. And Jonah prayed. When was the last time that Jonah prayed? Do you remember? The start of chapter 2, in the great fish. It was back in chapter 2 when God had sent this fish to save his life. In the book of Jonah, that's the last time he prays. Jonah had personally experienced mercy. The mercy of God for an undeserving sinner like him. God had not treated him as his sins deserved. So why can't God do the same to Nineveh? In the belly of the fish, Jonah had thanked God for his steadfast love. Why can't God show steadfast love to Ninevites? In the belly of the fish, Jonah had thanked God for sparing his life. Now Jonah would rather die than see God spare the lives of Ninevites. He doesn't want to live in a world where Ninevites are welcomed into the redeemed people of God. God, if this is how your world is going to operate, I want nothing to do with it. Take me out. Jonah had personally experienced God's mercy. Personally. He is a sinner who didn't get what his sins deserved. So he knows that personally. He also knows this corporately from the perspective of being a part of God's people. He knows that the nation of Israel had collectively, corporately received God's mercy. Let me explain what I mean here. In verse 3, Jonah refers to what God had revealed about himself all the way back in Exodus 34. That's why we read that for our call to worship this evening. God is a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, relenting from disaster. So that's, that's hearkening all the way back to Exodus 34. But remember the context. Remember the context of Exodus 34. Remember the context. God had nearly destroyed the people of Israel because of their apostasy. They had bowed down and worshipped a golden calf. And God had nearly destroyed them. If not for the intercession of Moses, they would have been wiped out there on the spot, except for Moses. 
God was ready to do that, and he didn't. He didn't. And later, in Exodus 34, he reveals his name. The Lord, the Lord, God gracious and merciful. So why can't God, if he was merciful to Israel, why can't he be merciful to the Ninevites? So do you see the glaring irony? Do you see the irony for Jonah, for the people of Israel, who had received God's mercy to not extend it to the Ninevites? This reminds me of another parable of Jesus. And I'm sure, well, you may remember the the parable of the unforgiving servant. The unforgiving servant. Here's a quick summary, if you forget. So the master forgave the debt of his servant, and it was a tremendous debt. A huge debt. The master forgave it. But that same servant went out, found a fellow servant who owed him much less, and he refused to be merciful. And the master said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? Should you not be merciful? Should you not have mercy on your fellow servants as God has had mercy on you? What mercy, what mercy we have received, brothers and sisters. God sent his son to pay an an unpayable debt, a a debt that you and I could never pay on our own. Jesus, full of grace and truth, the very embodiment of what God revealed in Exodus 34, full of grace and truth, this Savior Jesus died in your place. He died for you. God was merciful to you because he wasn't merciful to Jesus on the cross. We didn't get what our sins deserved because Jesus got what he didn't deserve. God was merciful to us. Jesus, full of grace and truth, he died for you. He rose for you. He sent his spirit to live inside you. He is coming again for you. And all of this means that as a child of God, you are forever welcomed into his family. Not welcome-ish, depends on who you are, but welcome. 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 Be merciful as your father is merciful. Be merciful as your father is merciful. Who do you need to show mercy to? Who do you need to show mercy to? Perhaps tonight? This week? Who do you need to show mercy to? A brother and sister in Christ? Who do you need to show mercy to? What prejudices do you need to repent of? What bitterness? What sinful anger? What slander do you need to repent of? Where are the places like Jonah where you see yourself being merciless? Where do you see yourself like Jonah in need of change? God's question to Jonah is his question to us. Do you have any right to be angry? Do you have any right to be angry? If you're anything like me, you have have much room to grow. You have much room to grow. And as we seek to be merciful, as our Father is so merciful to us in Christ, I think this passage is so helpful 
I want to point out two things that I was helped by. I hope you will be helped by them too. So first, as we seek to be merciful, as our Father is merciful to us, let me read verse 4 once again. Verse 4 says, And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Do you do well to be angry? Here the Lord rebukes Jonah. Uh, We know the answer to his question. No, Jonah doesn't have a right to be angry. He doesn't have a right to be angry. And here we see is that what Jonah confessed in verse 3 is true. Even for someone like Jonah, even for someone like you and me, God is slow to anger. He doesn't slap Jonah. He doesn't squish him. He doesn't stonewall him. He, he responds to him. The Lord comes to his wayward servant and rebukes him, corrects him. He, he moves toward him. He moves toward him. What we see here is verse 3. In action, the Lord is gracious and merciful, even to someone like Jonah, who doesn't get it yet. So, brothers and sisters, this is your God. This is your God and mine. Your God listens to you even when you are losing it. He listens to you even when you're losing it. Your God is slow to anger even when you are quick to anger. Your God is still merciful to you, to me, even when we're merciless to others. Your God rebukes, corrects, and disciplines you. Your God continues to be merciful to you. This is your God. This is my God. He moves toward us not away from us. I find such encouragement and comfort just from the fact that the Lord replies to Jonah. He replies to him. The Lord said, do you do well to be angry? The second thing I want to point out is this. Not only does, I could have said this one first, but Jonah prays. He prays. Jonah prays. And here is one thing that Jonah gets right. He gets so many things wrong, but he gets one thing right here. He prays. He turns to God. He couldn't stand God. And he prays to him. He prays to God. This is what you and I must learn to do more and more and more. When you're angry, when others sin against you, when something in your world that matters to you has gone wrong, Turn to God. You must go to him. Pray to him. Speak with him. Voice your anger to him. Talk to God. That is much easier said than done. Much easier said than done. But if you want to change, if you want to change, if you want to grow in being merciful, if you want your sinful anger to become sanctified anger, if you want your prejudices to die, then you must start by speaking to God, having an honest conversation with Him. We must go to God for help, like Jonah does here. Don't stuff your anger. Don't blow up. Don't gossip. Go to God. Go to God. Jonah goes to his God, and he's angry with him. And his God listens to him. The late David Powlison, a counselor, says this about anger. 
This is really good. I'll try to read it just once and slowly. Because your wrong anger has to do with your relationship with God, you can't deal with it by learning a few strategies or techniques. You have to go to God for help. Your anger will be transformed when you understand deep in your heart how God in Christ treats you. God's patience, his mercy, his forgiveness, and loving confrontation will only become real in your life as your relationship with him grows. Start with an honest meeting with God. Start with an honest meeting with God. Jonah gets so many things wrong. This is one thing he gets right. He goes to God, and he shows us what angry people should do. Go to God. Speak with him. And we'll find that he replies. He will, respe- he will reply to you. Oh, I know all of this. God knows that we need his help. God knows that we need his help. And he's given us so many helps. One of those helps is the Lord's Supper. We're not going to celebrate the Lord's Supper tonight, but think with me. The Lord's Supper is a place where prejudices against the people of God get starved. It's a place where prejudices die. It's a place where we learn as God's people to be merciful. It's a place where we sit together, and after eating the bread, we hold the cup as one body, at least a proclamation. We hold it as one body, and we drink that cup, celebrating not only God's mercy to me, but God's mercy to my brothers and sisters in Christ who are gathered here with me. We're celebrating God's mercy to me, to us. To Ninevites like us who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. Yes, Jesus, yes, he receives sinners and eats with them. He sure does. I'm one of them. Each one of us is one of those sinners and Jesus welcomes us into his table into his presence. The message is not welcome-ish. It's welcome. Welcome. Welcome all who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's, it makes me think about how the day is coming when we will enjoy the marriage supper of the Lamb. When Christ returns and that day comes, the Jonah syndrome will be gone from your heart forever. It will no longer be there. Gone will be every one of your prejudices. Gone will be all of your sinful anger. Gone will be every merciless desire, impulse, thought, hesitancy. It will be gone. Gone forever. And we will gather with all of the redeemed and praise the God of mercy who has welcomed us. Amen.